happening starting right now. Last week we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit is one of the most misunderstood things in the Bible. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the word ghost is used in, the, in some older King James versions. And when you think about ghost, and I, and I use the example of going to a Disney World and going to the Haunted Mansion and seeing uh, white sheets flowing through. And so people think of ghosts in that aspect. But when you take a look at the Holy Spirit, you see the Holy Spirit as part of the Godhead, and not an it, but a person, personality. How do we know that? Because one of the statements is made is, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Have you ever, as a person, been grieved? Like right now, we have family members that are, that are grieving. And so the Holy Spirit can be grieved. So we talked in introduction last week about the Spirit, about the Holy Spirit, and about being part of the Godhead, and about the eternal nature of that Spirit. I want to continue on today in the next few minutes, and I can tell you right now, we won't conclude that today, because next week we're going to talk about uh, several issues, topics that are brought up about the, about the Holy Spirit, and I, and I know that we'll be going into that next week, Lord willing. And so look at the website, and it will eventually be posted on there, these, these lessons. I want to talk this morning about the titles of the Holy Spirit. Titles are designations of the Holy Spirit. And so those titles of the Holy Spirit reveal much about the function and the nature and work of the Holy Spirit. Pardon me. Number one. If you turn to Matthew, the third chapter, in verse 16... In Matthew, the third chapter, and in verse 16, it says there, And after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And so, what do we see? We see he is shown to have the character of and nature of deity. Now, notice in that verse, and we talked about that last week, he took on Behold, and saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove. So some people might read that and think of this Holy Spirit was always a dove. But in this case, he was descended as a dove. Now, when we talk about the Spirit of God, I want you to turn over with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And start looking at verse 11 through 14. In verse uh, chapter 2, uh, actually, let's go back to verse 10. He said, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even though the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, 
combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now, in the third chapter, and in verse 16, he said, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And the last under this category is Ephesians chapter 4 and in verse 30. And we talked about this a minute ago. He said, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, when you talk about the word next category, when you talk about a title, you take a look at the word Holy Spirit. Sometimes we overlook the fact that we overlook the word holy. What does holy mean? Separate. Especially with reference to purity, separation from sin, and defilement. So men are called by the gospel to sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. When one hears the word revealed by the Holy Spirit, what is he? Turn to 1 John, the fourth chapter, and in verse 6. In 1 John, chapter 4, and in verse 6, he said, We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What? When one hears and believes the word revealed by the Holy Spirit, he is separated from error. I, and I mentioned this before, and I think it's a good time to mention it again in reference to this. Our brother, um, Ken Welliver, who comes every January for a week and uh, delivers a lesson, spends some time with us, told a story about back many, many years ago when he was living, when he and Norma were living up in the Palmetto area. <coughs> Pardon me. And he, there was, there was a couple who was not living in the way that they should and I won't go into the long story about that. And he, you know, he made the decision to go over and he called them and said, I'm coming over, I want to talk to you for a while. So they said, come on over. So we went over and revealed what the Bible said about uh, people, uh, about marriage and, and living outside of, together outside of marriage, so on and so forth. I won't go into the whole thing about that. And... He said on the way over there, he was very nervous. because, And I understand that, because you don't know what kind of response you're going to get, but it didn't change the fact that he was going to go over there and talk to them. So he went over and talked to them, and he sat down, and they had their Bibles open, and he said, here's what I think you folks need to do. I see, he said, I think you folks need to separate and live a se separate life, and I won't go into the details all about the background and all that. And he kind of took a breath and he said um, he was waiting for a response. Now, sometimes you're going to get a response. You think we're going to do that? We're not going to do that. And you know what they said? They said, well, if that's what God's word says we need to do, 
That's what we're going to do. And they did. And they did. Why? Because as it says in 1 John, when one hears and reveal, re believes the word revealed by the Holy Spirit, he is separated from error. The way they were living was in error. And they heard the truth and decided that they weren't living the right type of life. And so they did the right thing. Now, in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. In 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. And in verses 13 and 14. Yes, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. He said, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, by the, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you think about the Spirit, what else do you think about? He's the Spirit of truth. He expresses the truth that deity is absolute truth and nothing but the truth. In John chapter 14 and verse 17, if you want to take the time on your own, and I encourage you to do this, sit down and if you really want to uh, understand a lot about the Holy Spirit, read John chapters 14 through 16. Those three chapters, Jesus reveals to his disciples about the Spirit and how he was going to be a helper, etc. But in John the 14th chapter and in verse 17, he said, that is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, that you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now go over to 1526. When the Spirit, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. One more, 1613. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. It's the truth, absolute truth, and nothing but the truth. When the Spirit was to come as a guide, advocate, or comforter, after Jesus returned to heaven, he would convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And Jesus talked about that in John chapter 16 and in verses 7 through 11. The first time that happened was when? I believe on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Part of his work was to what? Was to extol, magnify, or glorify Christ. It is also through his work that men are sanctified and set apart to God. 
Now, the New Testament is a completed revelation. And what does it do? The inspired word. It serves as the supreme testimony of the Holy Spirit. And you can read about that in John 16 and John chapter 15. The gospel revealed is the uncovering of the mystery not previously known. Remember when you th- we go back to the Old Testament, men were searching, trying to figure out what these things mean. But now it's revealed. And now it's revealed. Everything that pertains to life and godliness is contained in this revelation right here. Now, in the Bible class this morning, and, and Brother James taught, we talked about denominational books, uh, uh, the Baptist Manual, and I, there's other ones that I can't think of the names of them right at the moment, but we talked about them in the class this morning. <clears throat> there are people that belong to certain denominations that read these books, and to them, that's the book that they follow. That's the book that they follow. But what does the Bible say? The Spirit granted unto these men who wrote this down, the truth and nothing but the truth. And this is where it's found right here. Now, there are wonderful men throughout history who have written wonderful commentaries. And I have, and I would, I would, would, and workbooks, uh, I like the book that we're using for Acts. I like the book that we're using for Isaiah. I like the commentaries that men have written throughout time. But remember that these are not inspired men. They're writing to the best of their ability what the Bible teaches. But the Bible is the inspired word of God. talks about him being a helper, an aid, a comforter, an advocate. What about his work in inspiration of Scripture? The unveiling of the mind of God to man is revelation. <coughs> Pardon me. A little throat problem this morning. And the Holy Spirit is the agent through which this happens because, as we read earlier... He knows the mind of the Father. Each member of the Godhead played a vital part in this remedial system, which the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit being the revealer. Now, there I want to talk about some terms. We often talk about inspiration. And the English word inspiration is actually to breathe into. That's the English word. And we won't go into the English versions of the Bible and the Latin Vulgate and all that. But when you take a look at inspiration as we're talking about this morning, there's the the Greek word. Now, again, let me warn everyone, I'm not a Greek scholar. I just use what uh, people that are much smarter than me as far as the Greek is concerned that I've been able to read about. But there's the opt. Theop, new, new toes, 
And that is God breathing out. God breathing out. The idea is that God breathed out the content of Scripture and did not breathe it into someone. What we have is God's, the revealed word by, by revelation of the Holy Spirit, God breathing out. Lady said one time, and you've heard this before, I was doing the wash and God opened up the top of my head and revealed the word. You know, there are times when I'm studying certain things, I, I kind of wish he would open up a little bit and put something in there. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I mentioned before, and I'll do it again, it, it takes, some of, the, some of the passages take effort. They take effort. And I mentioned before about a preacher one time that was in his study, and he screamed, and his wife thought it maybe he was having a heart attack or something. And she ran into the room, and she said, Honey, what's wrong? He said, Nothing. He said, I've been studying this forever, and I just understood what it means. And I understand that point. But it God breathes out the apneustos. Yes, the apneustos. God breathes out. How do we know that? Because in Psalm 33, 6, God breathed out or brought into existence the heavens and the earth by the breath of his mouth. And as we know in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, and in verses 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And what it says there, how profitable it is for the purpose set forth in the verses. Now, what is a revelation? It's an uncovering, isn't it? A revelation is an uncovering, a revealing. I use the example. I don't want to embarrass her because she's sitting right in front. It was a real revelation when my wife found out that she had a brother that she did not know even existed until she was of a certain age. I won't go into the age, right? <laughs> until she was 60, I'll just... Until <laughs> she was 60 years old. It, she didn't know it. She didn't know she had a brother. And through a long story that you're all familiar with, probably I don't want to go through that right now. But what was it? It was a revelation to her. It was, a, it was revealed. It was revealed. When the birth certificate came from Dayton, Ohio, that was, re, that was unsealed after, only after 50 years, there was the revelation about her mother's name and that there was another sibling, so on and so forth. It was a revelation. It was unknown to that point. See, that's why the word... The, that's the, the Holy Spirit is the agent of the, this uncovering or unveiling. Paul affirmed that what he delivered from God through the Holy <laughs> affirmed that what he delivered from God was through the Holy Spirit. He didn't speak in words that human wisdom taught, but rather which the Holy Spirit taught. 
comparing spiritual things with spiritual, as we've already read in 1 Corinthians 2.13. Paul, in delivering the things disclosed to him by the Holy Spirit, I'm reading this from a, from a dear friend who wrote this in a commentary. He said, Paul, in delivering the things disclosed to him by the Holy Spirit in speech, derived not from rhetorical instruction, but received from the same divine spirit that combines spiritual things with spiritual. The idea that he delivered to others the very words that came to him from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the words were those of the Spirit and not Paul. He accordingly, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, he said they were in truth the word of God. Now, I want to stop right there for just a minute. Paul writes about marriage. Paul writes about different things in first in the in the in the first Corinthians. People have said Paul is anti-women. That he just this is not what the Bible teaches. This is just his opinion. And then and you know what some people say? I only read the red letters. You know everything that Paul wrote was inspired? The inspired word of God? Words used in Scripture are exact and not subject to change. Are exact and not subject to change. You know, men, these authors, these authors that we have, we have Peter, and we have, we have Paul, and we have James, and we have John, etc. We have Luke. They were not robotic. They were not robotic. Human authors were not mere robotic machines. You know, we, we live in a world of machinery today. Uh, about, a, about a year ago, um, we bought the little, many of you have had it for a while, we didn't have one. Uh, we bought the little thing that we say, uh, Alexa, wake us up at 7 o'clock in the morning. And, and the other day he said, um, I said, Alexa, um, wake us up at 7.50 in the morning. And I got the response back that said, uh, alarm set for 7.50 in the morning. Have a great night. I'm thinking, it's a person. No, I thought, no, it's not a person. It's not a person in that. It's just repeating something that's technologically created. Now, men back at that time were not robots. You take what they what God used through these men, through inspiration of the Spirit, was their background, their education. Luke was an educated doctor. He wrote that way. Mark was a common man. He wrote and associated with common man, men, and that's how he wrote. He used their abilities to write in such a way, but what they wrote was truth. What was he? He was a comforter, as Jesus talked about. He was a witness bearer, and he was to guide the apostles to all truth. 
There's three points. If you could remember this today, it would be worth the time for the lesson. This witness was to be threefold. Number one, to convict the world of sin. Number two, guide the apostles into all truth, including what had not been revealed, including what had not been revealed to him. And number three, glorify Jesus. You know, I think um, we're going to stop right there. And we'll pick this up next week. Next week we're going to talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do some people see that in the world today? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about some other things too that are more topical in nature. But I appreciate your good attention. And...